So tonight we are going to be celebrating our Mosaic meal. We hope that you are all planning to attend. Um, it is a chance again to not just fellowship together and enjoy good food, but really a chance to celebrate our culture. Um, and oftentimes with this meal, some people say, well, I don't know what my culture is. Well, food is a great entry point to that, you know, because what you consider normal, what you consider regular, some of us might think is special and different, right? Um, so food is really an entry point. And I love that, not just the Anabaptists, but throughout the scripture, breaking bread together is really a gift. Um, for, for those of you who've been around for a while, you, you recognize that name, Mosaic. For others of you who may seem new, uh, it's not. Mosaic is a group that was formed by the church board. And kind of the purpose of Mosaic was to help the church stay focused on our mission, which is to be you know, a thriving urban church loving our, our neighbors locally and, and globally. And, and so in the beginning of Mosaic, kind of a push there was to educate our people. You know, what does it mean to be a multicultural church? What does it mean to actually have relations with people who are different than you? What does racial justice look like, you know? Another thing that Mosaic was tasked with is kind of giving support to groups. You know, so as groups come up into leadership, you know, and go forward, uh, Mosaic is there as a resource group to say, like, hey, how do we get more diverse? Or, hey, are we looking at this in line with the church's mission and vision? Now, over the last couple of years, probably the last three to five years, um, some things have kind of become more institutionalized. So, for example, there was a time where before we picked our classes on Wednesday night or Sunday morning, we'd be like, hey, Mosaic, what do you think? I love that we're at the point now that racial justice is not something we have to be like, let's teach the class. It's just something we do. Um, a lot of that is because a lot of people on Mosaic are either on staff now or the church board or in leadership. But I think this year we're really looking to relaunch Mosaic, so we're hoping tonight is kind of like your introduction. Because one thing that I think we need to kind of do is not just the education fee. I think we're doing that all right. I think we're at Delva as a resource. If you need us, come get us. But I really think one thing I want us to do in this year going forward is celebrating cultures more. Um, not just in the songs we sing, not just, you know, um, our praying or, or using scripture in different languages, but actually accentuating, you know. So, like, this month is Black History Month, right? And, and so one thing that I've done in my sermons, I've been kind of looking for, you know, black theologians to quote, you know. But I think there's better ways we can celebrate different cultures, right? And I think that's something, if it's something you're interested in, come talk to me, talk to Pastor Carmen. We'd love to have you to kind of get some ideas together. Also, you, if you're newer, you may not know, but out this door, well, basically behind the clock is a big old, um, like it's become furniture now, but it's supposed to be a bookshelf. Um, and so we've utilized that over the years to kind of educate people, or if you don't have, like, I can't join this class, so I'm looking for a good book to kind of educate me on some of this stuff, that's what that shelf is. So tonight, again, no program, we're going to eat together, it's going to be great. But if you're interested in celebrating cultures around here in different ways, Please come talk to me. That would be great. Um, I need to get that out because this sermon is about words, you know. So it's like we're gonna make a word, uh, right? Um, and, and, and so one of the things when I was first thinking about this sermon, uh, I look at the passage. My focus is really on the act of surrender, right? And so my original title was, you know, good news for the surrender. But the more I got into the passage, the more I started thinking, praying about it, I realized that surrender is a word we've been throwing around a lot around here, which is a good thing, right? Especially in the book of Luke, God is calling us to surrender. But the more I think about where all of us are, I realize that surrender is probably a good word for us, but worry is kind of like the shadow we all are carrying around. And so the, 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 the kind of framework or maybe the definition I've been playing in my head with worry is to allow one's mind 
to dwell on the troubles. To allow one's mind to dwell on the troubles. Now, now, worry and anxiety quite often get, you know, synonymous. A lot of times people just put the two together. Sometimes people say worry is anxiety, anxiety is worry. Um, I kind of want to look at it this morning as worry is the first step to anxiety, right? So when you're dwelling on the troubles, and, and, and it compounds and it builds around you, it becomes anxiety. And this anxiety can be fear, uneasiness, dread. Um, and, and then the, the, what, what makes it complicated for all of us is that we have this, this, this fear, this anxiety around actual problems, or sometimes we have it around potential problems, right? Like things that might be coming gives us this fear, this anxiety, this dread. Now, there's, there's also deeper than worry but it's anxiety that, that is actually debilitates you, right? There's anxiety that so captures your body that you become tense, right? Some of us start to sweat, that the rapid heartbeat is, 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 is becoming uh, 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 not just like, oh, I have this thing on my mind, but it's so taking hold of all that you are. And, and so that's worry and anxiety, but the more as I got into the passage, and the more I just reflected on where I think we are as a church, as a congregation, as just people, right? I realized that we are very anxious people. All of us are seemingly anxious about something. Now, anxiety is also a normal human emotion. So I think we gotta also clarify that. There's two different kinds of anxiety. You know, so there's back in the day I used to believe in this thing called running, right? Um, like, it was just like you would do it and it's like it was painful, but you just did it, right? So it's just like you're supposed to do it because they told you to do it, right? Uh, and, and so I worked at a summer camp, and the camp was on the side of a mountain. So it's like the only way you get up there is go up the mountain. So if you're going for a run, the only way you can run is to go down the mountain, which is amazing. And then you have to what? Come up the mountain, which is not so amazing. Uh, but I did this running things. I thought that's what you're supposed to do. And, and so this one day as I was running up the mountain, at the corner of my eye, I saw what I thought was a black bear or some kind of bear. I'm not a bear expert. I grew up in cities, right? Bears are like in Chicago, right? Like they're not like out in the woods, you know? So I just kept jogging along. And I was just like, well, that's really looking more and more like a bear, right? And, and as I turned my last corner, and I had about, and I know it is because it's a quarter mile up the final stretch of the hill, I turned the corner out and I said, oh, I think that's a real bear. That's anxiety, right? Like, that's a normal human emotion. Why? Because I didn't feel safe, right? I had just learned that in my training that summer that, like, the bear can not only be faster than me, it's faster than me running up the hill, right? Like, none of this is helping my anxiety. So that was probably the best friend I've ever had in my life, right? So, so this anxiety is normal, right? Sometimes, you know, some people have anxiety over public speaking, right? Some people have anxiety over, you know, maybe a, a big test in school or, or a big uh, presentation at work, right? So anxiety is this normal human emotion. So I want us to kind of realize that there's different levels to this, right? But the anxiety that I kind of want to focus on is not a bear chasing you, are you thinking a bear chasing you? And yes, I'm a city boy, but when I got back, they said, why were you out running? The bear was there. And I was like, none of y'all told me bears are here, right? Anyway, the anxiety I kind of want to focus on is not just the one that is like something chasing you or you got this big presentation. It's an anxiety that paralyzes to the point where it affects everyday function. And you've heard me say it, or you've heard it from the pulpit, or you read online, or listened to our podcast, and we keep talking about how as a society, we're becoming more and more anxious. So I thought I looked up some numbers, and that numbers weirdly gave me what? More anxiety. But here's some numbers. 
this isn't just, hey, I have a big presentation. This is debilitating you to doing everyday functions. These are the numbers. 40 million U.S. adults are suffering from diagnosed anxiety disorders. That's diagnosed, meaning there's probably another 40 million who aren't diagnosed at least. Uh, and in 2023, of those U.S. adults, uh, it was up to 19.1% well, of the total U.S. population is the 40 million adults. And, and, and the U, in uh, 2023 alone, instead of it being 19.1% of adults, it was actually higher with 32.3% of adults were suffering from diagnosed uh, anxiety. Worldwide, 301 million people, or 4% of the entire world population. And again, you got to give a margin of error. There's places that aren't taking these tests. There's places you can't get online access to take the test or answer a phone call, right? So that 301 million is probably woefully low. Right, now, the other thing they're seeing is that the a good sort of trend is that younger people are actually struggling more with anxiety than older folks. In fact, 31.9% of all 13 and 18 year olds in America have some kind of diagnosed anxiety. In 2023, from 18 to 24 year olds, it was 49.9%. From 25 to 49 year olds, it was 38%. Anxiety, when I say we are an anxious people, this isn't an indictment. This isn't a, we're not. Uh, are faithful enough, or we're not good enough Christians. It's the reality that we're living in. And so when we get to these passages where Jesus says, do not worry, I know there's a lot of you in here and you're like, how? How? Because so many things worry us. Our worry is real. Whether it's finances, relationships, things. Dr. Martin Luther King skipped over worry and anxiety, and he just named it as fear. And he once said, there's probably no emotion that plagues and crumbles the human personality more than that of fear. Everywhere we turn, we see that monster, fear. Everywhere we travel, we meet that monster, fear. Fear expresses itself in diverse forms. Fear of others. Fear of oneself. Fear of going old. Fear of death. Fear of pain. Fear of disease. Fear of poverty. This monster is seemingly everywhere we go. So I think the first part of this morning is naming it. That feeling you can't shake, naming it. Because I believe that whether we call it fear or anxiety or worry, I believe that the Spirit can use that as an indication to us to invite God in there. What you struggle with, what you fear, what you're anxious about, what you worry about, let that be an indication to invite God in there. Because if worry is allowing one's mind to dwell on the troubles, our passage this morning, Jesus moves us from dwelling on our troubles to dwelling with our God. Amen? Jesus moves us because he knows our worries, and he still asks us to surrender them to him. Get your Bible, turn with me now to Luke chapter 12. I'll be reading verses 22 to 34. We'll also have it up front so you can follow there as well. Starting at verse 22. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. 
and how much more valuable you are than birds. Who of you, by worrying, can add single hours to your life? Uh, another translation says, who of you, by worrying, can add a single cubit to your height? For those of us under six feet, we like that translation better. Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the wildflowers grow, they do not labor or spin. Yet I saw you, not even Solomon in all his splendor, was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little things? And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagan runs after all such things. And your father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourself that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Amen? Father God, we thank you that all of us in some way are worthier. All of us carry with us fears and anxieties, uncertainties that, that rattle us. But Lord, we pray that this morning is a step back to you. That it's an indicator that we can invite you into the middle of our worry. For where you are is where we desire to be. And where we are is where you already are, Lord. So we thank you that in the midst and in the depths of this thing, in the grips of these anxieties, in the grips of these uncertainties, we, the people who worry, know that our God's got us. Know that our God's on our side. Know that our God is working for our good. That our God already knows the certainty of the future. Know that our God is good and faithful and true. May we who worry surrender to you. Your holy and precious name. Amen. One thing I find fascinating about this passage is Jesus is saying to us that we feel challenged, right? You cannot read this passage and not feel challenged. But if you go back, you know, a couple thousand years, you realize that the people that Jesus is saying, don't worry about your next meal, worried about their next meal. That most of them had the clothes they were wearing that fit. You were wealthy if you had a spare pair of clothes, an extra tunic. You were wealthy. And Jesus in other passages told you know what? Give it to somebody else. Like, we have to take a step back before we feel talent to realize the people he's talking to didn't have much. And he still expected them to fully trust him. They didn't know where the next meal was coming from. And he still expected them to fully trust in God. Now, what's interesting here is the word that, that Jesus uses in throughout the Gospels, uh, so Luke's version of the, the Sermon on the Mount is this passage, right? The, the word he uses for worry here is marinao. Marinao is interesting because it is not, uh, a lot of people say, don't worry, right? About a thing, right? Every little thing's going to be all right. We interpret that as like, let nothing affect you. But here's the thing. If you happen to live in the city of Harrisburg and you don't have a car, and you have this thing that you're relying on called public transportation. I know some of you are getting worried and anxiety already, right? A lot of our bus stations and, and bus bus have like a literally like a stake in the ground, and that's it. There's no shelter. There's no place to sit. You just stand out there and wait, right? Now, imagine if it just happened to be raining and you were unprepared. And it's pouring down upon you. 
And I know for those you people, you got to use your imagination on this. But there was a time where this building just loved to flood. Like six, seven times a year sometimes. Like two, three times a month sometimes. It just it loved to flood. So for those of us who've been around, right, we know that Dairy Street tends to flood. So imagine you're sitting right up here on Dairy Street, you're getting poured down upon, and the rain is splashing, and every car that comes back is zooming and, and splashing water on you, and I'm like, don't worry about a thing. Every little thing is going to be all right. You will be bothered. You will be wet. You will be annoyed. You'll be like, no, 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 I don't get this, right? So Maranao means it's not, don't let anything affect you. God knows things are going to affect you. He still asks you not to worry. Maranao is not, not either, you know, if you're a scholar, uh, and a lady and a gentleman, you'll know this great scholarly piece called the Lion King. In that great scholarly work, they have this philosophy they introduced called Akuna Matata. Maranao is not Akuna Matata, right? It means no worries the rest of your day. That's not what it's saying here either. Maranao is don't be so anxious that you're troubled by the things that are happening. God expects things to happen to you, even if you do not. So that's the other tension we live with, right? Like sometimes when things happen off the scriptures, like, why is this happening? I'm such a good person. God expects those things to happen to you in this broken world that we live in. He just wants you to keep trusting, to not be so anxious that you're troubled with your tears. The other interesting thing about man now is that the, the, the other side of the definition really means not just to be anxious and troubled with your tears, but to be so anxious that you selfishly only care about your needs. So you see what Jesus is saying in this passage, right? He's not just saying, don't worry. He's saying, don't worry because bad things might happen to you. I still got you. Don't worry because when you worry, you tend to get what? Selfish. You tend to only focus on yourself. So there now is this command that he gives to who? His disciples. If you go back to verse 22, in the very beginning, the very first phrase of Luke writes is what? Then Jesus said to his disciples, this is not a command for everybody. It's not a command for people who are like, I like Jesus. He's a good moral teacher. I like that Jesus guy. He's so cool and laid back. No. This is for people who have given their lives to Jesus, people who believe he's the Lord and Savior, and people who surrender their lives to him. That's who this commandment is for. If you're just here because Jesus is nice, this ain't for you. This is for people who dedicated their lives to Jesus, to his disciples, those who committed to following him, those who are already in the kingdom. Jesus is calling us to Maranao. He's calling us to self-control when the troubles come. He's calling us to trust God and surrender in spite, despite our troubles that have come. It is to these disciples, these called ones, these kingdom sisters and brothers, that Jesus says, do not worry. I love that God knows and expects us to worry. I find peace in that. Because some of us grow up with a faith where we think worry means I don't love Jesus enough. And then when we have things that are worrisome, we struggle and have this existential crisis, and that worry builds to anxiety. God knows you're going to struggle. God knows it's going to be hard. God knows that things are going to tempt you and try to pull you aside. It's time you know it too. God expects and knows we are going to worry. Yet in this passage, Jesus reminds us that I provide for the creation. Look at the ravens. Not the one in Baltimore, they don't win nothing. But look at the ravens. Look at the ravens. 
And look how they don't have to worry about storehouses. They don't wake up in the morning and say, you know what? I wonder if there's going to be food today. I wonder if there's going to be shelter today. I wonder if these feathers I got are warm enough for me today. Look at the raven's eyes take care of them. Look at the wildflowers. Have you ever seen wildflowers that take your breath away? Now, those of us who grow in cities, it's kind of hard. I'm not talking about the weeds on the sidewalk. Right? Like, sometimes that takes your breath away for the wrong reason. Right? But I'm just talking about you're driving along some country road somewhere, you look in the field, you're like, wow, that's beautiful. Right? That's kind of what they're talking about here. Like, the wildflowers don't wake up, but you know what? I'm worried about sunshine. I just feel like we don't have enough rain, so I might not know. If God takes care and provides for creation, and Jesus is says in this passage, for something that might be thrown into the fire, thrown into the oven tomorrow, something that's going tomorrow, how much more will God care for you? Not only does God know about our worries, but if God takes care of creation, God will take care of you too. And guess what? You're also created. Spoken to existence by the God of the universe. God provides for creation. God will provide for you. Your job is to move from worry to faith to trust. It's to move from uncertainty to self-control and surrender. It's to move from fear to saying, God, I need you here. I need you now. And he said, worry does not add to your life. And we all know that worry is attached to your life. Because that worry is this anxiety, and it might be debilitating. And it might lead to stress. It might lead to higher blood pressure. It might lead to heart disease, right? And like, I don't know if we needed the, the science to catch up to Jesus here, but like, we know that worry literally kills us. And so a lot of times we read scripture, like, I don't know what that means. This is clear. Right? Worry is not going to add, uh, 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 say, a height. It's not going to add a single hour to your life. Worry literally subtracts from your life. So what do I want you to do instead? Seek God's kingdom first. I love that because if Maranao forces us to not only be dwelling on our worries but becoming selfish, Jesus is going to what? Push us out of ourselves. And sometimes when the pain's too deep, that you don't even have the energy to get out of bed. When the, the, the darkness is so dark, you can't even open up your curtain. Sometimes, the only thing that pulls you out of yourself for that moment, for that day, is the chance to serve somebody else. And I don't know why it works that way, but I know it works that way. And when we're self-focused, we live in debilitation. But when we're other focused and loving and living for our sisters and brothers, and I'm not saying, we'll get to this later, I'm not saying don't take care of what you're going through, but I'm just saying that sometimes you may not get up for yourself, but you might get up for me or your sister or your brother. Jesus seems to think if we pull out of ourselves and start thinking about the sister or brother, if we start thinking about the kingdom, we can get out of some of this worry. Because our God knows what we need. Our God knows and calls us to have no fear. And I love this line. I missed it. Maybe because I grew up reading Matthew's version, right? But Luke has a line here where he basically says, God is pleased to give you the kingdom. Everything in this passage is things that don't last, except the kingdom. We worry about food, shelter, clothes. 
health, family, loved ones, relationships, right? And Jesus says the same like, why are you worried about all those things? I am pleased to give you the kingdom. I love that we have a God who loves to give us good things. And some of us, when it's time to give good things, it's a sacrifice, and we let you know it's a sacrifice. You ever had a gift that they didn't want to let go? <laughs> just like, are you sure you want to give it to me? You just keep it, you know? Like, I love that we have a God who loves to give us the good things. And so the call here is no fear. Live for others, not yourselves. Now, I think when we look at this passage, there's things we have to acknowledge, but I think there's counterbalances that can help us. Number one, worry is real. Fear is real. Anxiety is real. Stress is real. But so is the nearness of God. In the midst of that struggle, God is with you. In the midst of that darkness, God is with you. In the midst of that uncertainty, God is certain. In the midst of that doubt, God is sure. In the midst of that fear, God is near. Because worry makes us dwell on the wrong things. I love that in this passage, Jesus says, I take care of the big and the small, I'll take care of you. And then, in this pushing out of ourselves, right? He says, I want you to remember to throw up your treasures in heaven. I love about this passage, Luke ties it in to the rich, to the fool, right? And, and so you have someone who's just struggling with, like, well, did you give up everything for everyone else? Like, I have a lot. And Jesus seems to think that, like, it's not just the rich people who need to give it all up and trust me, it's all of you. All of you must be willing to do this. Because where your heart is, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You know the worldly equivalent of this is say, follow the money? Right? I think the godly equivalent of this is like, follow your gifts. Follow your investment. Follow your time. Because what you value is what you'll give your life to. Right? One of my favorite bands has a sign where it says, in these bodies you will live, in these bodies you will die. Where you invest your love, you invest your life. I think that's one of the most beautiful properties that anyone's come up with in the last hundred years. And it's just a recycled truth, but it's so true for all of us. Because where we invest our love is where we're going to invest our life. And so we have a couple minutes here. I'll take a good five minutes. I think all of us have something that we're holding on to us with either fear or worry or anxiety. And I think there's four different ways you can deal with this because depending on what it is, you got to do one of these four things. So maybe you have this burden that's on you that the word that you need to hear this morning is there's a phrase made famous by our dear old Pastor Woody when he said what? Wait to worry. Maybe the burden that's upon you is, I don't know how it's going to be. I don't know what's coming. I don't know what the future looks like. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And the potential of something is crippling you right now. Wait to worry. To Moses, Yahweh God says this, right? Tell my people this. Do not be afraid. Stand firm, and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians will see today you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. Wait to worry. Wait to worry. So maybe that's what you need to do with your burden. is to know that the Lord is going to fight for me. 
that the Lord is on my side, that I might be here, but the Lord is ahead. I'm just going to wait and put my trust in God. I'm going to wait to worry. Maybe that's your word this morning. And maybe your worry is a little bit different. Maybe your worry can only be stripped away through prayer. My favorite people in the Bible is a guy named Jehoshaphat. I love this guy because he has his little kingdom that's left in Judah. He has the biggest superpower of the world coming to attack him. This will be the equivalent of, like, United States, right? Going after Guam. Right? And we know how that ended up. You just Google it later, okay? And yet, and still, he gathers all the elders of him. And he prays this beautiful prayer. And what I love about the prayer is he just prays back God's promises. Hey, Lord, you said you protect us. I'm not trying to call you out, but you said it. You said you'll be on our side. I'm not trying to do it, but you said it. Right? He has this wonderful line that I've taken for years. He says, Lord, I don't know what to do. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. But before he gets to even the prayer, in Second Chronicles 23, this is what it says. But the word is alarmed, but it can be transferred as anxious and worried, right? But anxious and worried, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord. The Hebrew for inquire there means to seek, like seek the kingdom, and to tread a path. You know what tread a path means? It means when he went to the Lord, it wasn't the first time. Remember when you were a kid, you had like the normal path that everyone went on, and then you and your friends had another path that you created? That's what tread a path means, right? Like time and time again, treading a path to the Lord. So I love that before he says, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. He prayed every single day. That was his refuge. That was his strength. That was his peace. So maybe for you, you ought to be like the host of that. And maybe the prayer is, I'm going to inquire of the Lord. I'm anxious. I'm going to try this path to the Lord. Because I don't know what to do, but what? My eyes are on you. Maybe that's your burden this morning. That's how you relieve some of it. Or maybe, just maybe, the way you relieve some of this burden is to share it. There's so many of us that keep our burdens in secret and suffer in silence. There's so many of us who, because of, uh, of maybe shame or fear or anxiousness or worry or, or, or not thinking we're good enough or, or blaming ourselves, who we hide our worries, our struggles in the dark. I pray that all of you have a sacred space, a friend, a sister, a brother, a companion, someone who you can trust and you can unburden with. Now, I think Bonhoeffer talks about this. The Catholics have this right in this sense. We as non-Catholics, you know, we don't like the idea of confessing to the priest, right? We're like, you just got high priest, you don't need all that, right? But Bonhoeffer talks about how as a Christian, eventually there's going to come a point where you feel like you're talking to a wall. And that's the joy of having this companion with you. Because if that person truly loves you, and you're unburdening in front of them, you will see the love of God through their eyes. I pray you all not only have a sacred space, a person you can go to to unburden, but I pray you're all offering that to your friends and family too. Or this Martha Third says that we must be the bridge builders in this world of walls. We must extend grace to those who are different from us, from those who are suffering.
So maybe that's your job. And as you think about this thing, maybe it's time to come out of the dark and into the light. And the last one is I think maybe it's time that you actually treat your wife. And I don't mean buy it ice cream. I mean we look at it medically. And maybe it involves talking to someone. And maybe you're not sure about any of that. So start with one of us on staff. We'd love to talk to you. Then we'll, we'll send you to the experts if we need to. Or maybe it, it involves like you actually saying, you know what, this is what this is doing to me. And these are steps I want to take. And I need to help someone to help me take these steps because this thing is crippling me. Because then I worry and fear and anxiety. And it doesn't just harm you, it harms everyone around you. It either harms you by how you act, by how you shut down, or it harms you by them loving you and knowing you're not the person, you're not the best version of who you can be. And you're trying. So when I say treat the worry, maybe it's time to say, yes, I have faith in God. Yes, I love God, but God, I need more help. And here's the thing, that's okay. For so many of us, when I got to seminary, I used to think it was only black people that didn't like therapists. And now I went to seminary with all white people, and I'm like, y'all all need therapists. Up to, but I'm just saying, I was just a new learning thing for me. Because here's the thing about Scripture. Remember what we heard last week, right? If we ask, if we speak, if we knock, God's going to hear us. He's going to open the door. And I firmly believe that the God of all wisdom speaks to people who believe in Him and people who don't. But if someone has something that can help you get out of this darkness, I implore you to ask the speech of God. And that's what we mean by treating. Because there's so many of us who are in the church and be like, you know what? I'm a Christian. I'm not supposed to be struggling with this. That's not what your faith has ever been about. I pray you can be vulnerable enough to get the help you need. Now, I want to take five minutes. And I just want to give you this time. The worst thing can come up and get ready. But in this time, I just want you to, to think about and do some work with the Holy Spirit. Whatever burdens on your heart, maybe the, 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 the thing you need to do right now is to say, you know what? God, help me to wait. Help me to be still. Help me to know that you're ahead of me. You're fighting for me. And maybe that's what you want to spend your five minutes doing that work and affirming it with God. Or, or maybe your burden needs to be making you more like Jehoshaphat, right? Where you're like, you know what? God, I'm going to keep making this beeline towards you, cutting this path towards you. And I, you know, I'm going to pray through this worry. I feel it in my spirit, but I'm going to give it to you right now. I'm going to pray through this, God. Why? Because I don't know what to do anymore. But my eyes are going to stay fixed upon you. Or maybe, the last two are the hardest, I think. Or maybe you've been living in the dark. You've been letting Satan use things to hold you back. Things to define who you are. And, and maybe now's the time to find that boldness, that courage inside of you. To share that burden with someone else. And listen, man, if you don't have anyone else, I know there's plenty of people in this church, I know everyone on this staff, we will listen to you. We may not solve it, <laughs> but we will at least hold your hand and tell you we love you and it's okay. And God's got your back. So maybe that's what you need to do for these five minutes. 
Or maybe the harder one is to step outside of yourself and be like, I need help. And that's okay. Years ago, I joked in staff meeting, we have about 25 therapists in the congregation. About five years ago, I'm like 25 short. Christ seems like we got a 50. Right? We got resources. We got people who'd love to help you. And if you need something more, it's okay. It's okay. We need each other, and that's okay. We have each other. We'll be okay. But more than that, we have our God. That's why Hannah played a little quietly before we didn't get to the song. It just gives you a couple minutes to kind of do some work with God, do some work with the Spirit, figure out which one that you think is the one that's really jumping out to you. Is it waiting to worry? Is it praying my worry? Is it sharing my worry? Is it actually treating this worry that's holding me down? Well, I'll give you five minutes to try to just start the work, right? You're not going to solve it all in five minutes, but start the work. Confirm or make affirm one of those choices and then commit to doing it today. Give me a couple minutes to pray quietly to do the work where you are. Keep talking to the Lord and letting the Spirit speak to you. Please do that. But I do want to um, invite any of other pastors in the room up front. If there's ever a morning we'd love to pray for you, this is it. Um, so we're going to be up front. We'd love to pray for you. But if the Spirit's working with you now, please keep doing that work. Um, we're going to end singing a song called Withholding Nothing. And a lot of times we think about this, we think about like letting go of everything and give ourselves to the Lord. I think for some of us, the thing that we need to let go of is our worry. Oswald Chambers talks a lot about surrendering the struggle, too. And I think for a lot of us, we have to struggle to worry. And I love this play on words there, because what he's saying is not like it's a struggle to worry, but it's a struggle to let go of the worry. And so the worry that owns you. So the withholding nothing this morning might mean something that's withholding you back, but it might be that thing that's holding you back. It's the worry that's pinning you back. So as we sing this song, I want to invite you to also Lay that down at the altar. Not just in song, but in prayer, in your spirit, in your truth that the Spirit speaks to you. I want you to lay that down at the feet of Jesus. And I'm not saying it's going to fix it all today. I'm saying that's a really beautiful step to take today. Amen? Let's say this thing together. Thank you. 
will be with you. And that's how we're going to tackle this word. Knowing that the God of peace is with us. Our Father and God, we thank you that in our fears, you provide comfort. In our anxieties, you provide peace. In our worries, you provide yourself. So Holy Spirit, we thank you for how you've spoken to all of us this morning. How you reveal those places and those worries, those fears, those anxieties that keep holding us back. Now, Spirit, we pray that you give us boldness, you give us power to step up and say, Lord, we need to put our faith in you in this. But Lord, we will wait to worry. But Lord, we're going to pray our way through this, knowing that you're fighting for us and you're on our side. Oh, Lord, you know what? It's time I, I, I unburden myself and share this with somebody who loves me, who cares about me, who can point me and help me. Uh, maybe it's what I need more help than just my friends or my small group or my pastors. I need to go to someone else to help me get through this burden. But in all of it, give us wisdom, give us discernment, give us your Holy Spirit power, give us your peace. Help us to be a people who are anxious for nothing. Help us to be a people who live without fear. Help us to be a people that when the troubles come, our focus is on you. Lord, when we don't know what to do, keep our eyes fixed on you. And Lord, may our lives be a beaten path to your door. May our burdens be almost as gifts that we're offering towards you and giving it to you. Lord, may we also be safe places for one another. You compel us, you command us to cast our cares upon you, but also to the love and love and work together in all of that. So, Lord, may we be sacred spaces too. And, Lord, in all these things, we just praise you. For you are the one who's excellent and praiseworthy. You're the one who's good and faithful. You're the one who's gracious and merciful. You're the one who's compassionate. You're the one who loves us. So today we pledge our worries to you and ask for relief and ask for healing and ask for help. In your holy and precious name we pray. Amen. God bless you all. Have a good week. Thank you.